Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. Have you given much thought to what the word hope means to you? As I prepared for this, I have to admit, I had not. And so I asked myself, well, what's a good definition of hope? Well, a simple one is to wait for or look for something or someone in the future or something beneficial to happen in the future. And another simple definition is just trust. Did you hear the one about the football players? One was a Sooner, one was a Cowboy, and they won a joyride on a helicopter. And at the highest altitude it could go, one turned the other and says, I hope nothing goes wrong and we don't run out of gas. The other one says, well, I hope so too. Imagine, if we ran out of gas, we'd be stuck up here forever. (laughs) Okay, wash your ears out with this one then. A charitable man goes to a hospital to cheer up the patients, and he has a keyboard, and he plays humorous songs on it, and he tells jokes. Well, he finishes his final performance for one elderly man, and he stops and says, Sir, I truly hope you get better. And the man smiles and says, I truly hope you get better too. (laughs) And you're probably hoping for better jokes about now. In our text for today, Matthew quotes the prophet Isaiah from 42, 1 through 4, describing for us God's plan in dealing with our greatest need, justice. His servant, whom he has chosen, provides this justice justice through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's for the entire earth to give each of us hope. The history of Israel foreshadows the church, a people who were not become God's chosen people. And by grace, God blessed Abram and said, I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Later, God in his sovereignty gives Abram's descendants hope from a future famine that they don't even know about through the evil that Joseph's brothers did to him by selling him into slavery. Pastor Spomer shared that story last week. And years later, after Joseph's father, Jacob, died, his brothers think, it's now. Joseph will get his revenge on us. But Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis 50, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many lives would be saved, even as they are today. In Israel's history, we see king after king ruling in the land. The kingdom splits in two. The people and the kings who rule them sway between two opinions. Who is our God? The one true God of our fathers or the gods of the nations around us? And for the church today, we have to choose between the gods of culture, convenience, or secular humanism or the one true God who blesses us to be a blessing. In either case, we all need the hope of a Savior. 
because the law and obedience to it can never save. Well, in Matthew 12, 20, we read that Jesus, the promised servant, brings justice to victory. What does that phrase mean? Well, this he did at the cross, reconciling us to God and making possible the conclusion of verse 21, which says, and in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Folks, unless you're Jewish, that's you and me. We're Gentiles, right? Peter speaks to that hope in Acts 4, 11 through 12. He says, this Jesus, speaking to the religious leaders, is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, who has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no other name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved. The hope that Jews and Gentiles alike have for justice is in the name of Jesus. And now our hope is a specific hope, a living hope, made sure by number one on your outline that's laying on the chairs by you, a promise. And this hope is promised by the living God of all creation. In Hebrews 6, 17 through 18, it says, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his promise or purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Now, the author of Hebrews points to this oath that is found in Psalm 110 verse 4, which basically says Jesus is declared priest and king by God's promise not by ancestry, not by rule or regulation of law like the Levites or the Arianic priesthood. No, Jesus is our hope, the promised servant that Isaiah describes, and we see it in Scripture. He's humble, obedient, rejecting the praise and position that men desired him to take as the Messiah, the earthly king. Remove the Roman rule and... Restore the Davidic kingdom. I mean, his disciples were all over this. It's like, yeah, Jesus, you step up, take care of all this, and we will rule with you. Man, such a deal. Well, rather, the promised servant causes us to be born again to a living hope, a new life, which isn't just a do-over so we get to try harder next time, but it is a new beginning with power to live a life of faith and action. Therefore, our hope is made sure by number two on your outline, a person. And 1 Peter 1.3 identifies it. Our hope is through the life, death, and resurrection of one person, Jesus. And he represents us. Paul writes in Philippians 3.9 that his hope and trust was not in his own righteousness, in the law, but the righteousness which is his through faith in Christ. It's an alien righteousness outside of ourselves that's given to you and me as a gift by faith. We're justified as though we had never sinned because the righteousness given us is Christ's sinless righteousness reckoned as ours. In Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, this believer's hope is described as solid and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure, 
Jesus enters the inner sanctuary. This is temple talk. The high priest entered one time a year to make atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus enters behind the curtain on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become the high priest for a year? No, forever. Jesus Christ, our Savior and living hope, proved himself as God's son by the miracles he did. People saw these miracles in his day and they didn't believe. We, by the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, have seen these miracles from the pages of Holy Scripture. And Peter emphasizes this in verses 8 and 9 of 1 Peter. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. But there's more. We're given number three, a place. A place in God's family. And that place is an inheritance, according to 1 Peter 1.4. We are co-heirs of all that belongs to the Son, Jesus. This is better than the lottery because it's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us. It will never be touched by evil or death, stained by evil, or faded with time. And absolutely nothing can undermine the certainty of this inheritance. Well, you may ask, where is this inheritance? Well, it's first here on this earth during this life. It's the gift of forgiveness that we get to give to others. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, fruits of the Spirit that is provided by the Spirit living within us, which makes us children of God, the Father, who then invites us to come to His throne of grace and cry, Abba, Father, for every need. On this earth, Jesus promised in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Our inheritance includes the sacraments, which do more than give us a visual aid. They provide his presence and power in baptism through water and word, taking away sins, giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself is present in the sacrament of the Holy Supper. In, with, and under the bread and wine, he gives us his body and his blood. And in short, it's all the gracious gifts that the children of God receive from their Father to provide them hope. Second, this inheritance is a preserved, secure place in the very presence and abode of God. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither will there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Finally, with all this grace, the fourth thing our living hope gives us is a purpose with a perspective. Now, this purpose is the power for our motivation as God's people. Paul shares it in Philippians 3.10, what his motivation is and what ours should be. He wanted to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings 
Why? To become like him. Today, with the idea that God's greatest concern is our happiness and our best life now, Paul's statement's not well received. But I know Paul has it right. To have our best life now is to experience the power of God as he acts miraculously through us in our daily lives, in our service and our suffering. If we die to self and share in his suffering, we become like him. And it's not that God doesn't want us to be happy. He does, but he wants us to find where true happiness is found. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed or happy is the man who trusts in the Lord. And he follows it up with whose trust is the Lord. You see, our circumstances won't make us blessed or happy. Our Lord calls us to pick up our cross and follow him. It's a paradox, but if we pick up our cross and follow him, great is our joy, happiness, and hope. For each of us, our cross is not some heavy wooden object, but it is the unique call and will of God for each of our lives. His call and will should give us hope to motivate us to persevere as we walk in faith and service. And Peter reminds us in verse 7 of 1 Peter that this hope will lead to the tested genuineness of your faith and all to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, you people and I cannot survive long without hope. Hope keeps us going through painful experiences and fear of what the future holds. In a fallen world where people experience poverty, disease, hunger, injustice, disaster, war, and terrorism, we need a living hope with an eternal perspective. Ephesians 2.12 states that those who do not have Jesus Christ do not have hope. They're focused on temporary circumstances in the here and now. Believers, conversely, are blessed with real and substantial hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 14 through 18, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase in thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day after day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. By the power of God's word and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, this living hope quickens our minds and our souls and changes our thoughts, words, and actions with an eternal perspective. That temporary affliction that we face fades as we now look forward to our own resurrection. Romans 8, 23 and 24 says, We who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly wait the adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. 
Paul writes in Philippians 3, 12 through 14, that we're not perfect in this pursuit, but we need not fear because there's always forgiveness. We press on, forgetting the paralysis of past failures toward the goal to win the prize. Why? It's not because we've already achieved resurrection and perfection, but because Jesus Christ has made us his people, his family. Our citizenship is truly in heaven, and our mission is to to invite others to become citizens. How? By telling others and showing others about our Savior, Jesus Christ. We who believe and have been justified by his grace should be careful to devote ourselves to doing good works to others. And 1 Peter 3.15 reminds us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have and to do it with gentleness and with respect. And finally, remember, it's he that is at work within you to accomplish his will. You are never alone. So remember our beginning definition of hope, looking forward to something or looking for someone or something in the future? Well, our definition is a biblical hope. We hope and trust in Jesus' promises and wait for his return and our resurrection. Martin Luther said everything that is done in the world is done by hope. That hope is Christ in us, the hope of glory. We who are the church of the resurrection have a living hope for all nations. God's servant Jesus bought that justice that we so desperately needed with his own blood. And believe it or not, there's doubters out there that would say, that's evil. No loving God would sacrifice his own son. But you may remember Pastor Dreyer's butt God glasses from a few weeks ago, and will echo Joseph. But God, in his wisdom and will, gave his only son to die, intending it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives eternally. Verse 13 from 1 Peter, Therefore, prepare your minds for action and set your hope fully on the grace of this justice available to all people rekindling their hope. Want more hope? Romans 5, 3 through 5 gives you the formula. Let us rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen.